This podcast is dedicated to the memory of David Faraday, Betty Lou Jensen, Darlene Farron, Cecilia Shepard, and Paul Stein, and to Michael Mejo and Brian Hartnell. This is Zodiac Speaking, a classic gunpoint camping podcast. I'm your host, Chris Garcia. Friday, December 20th, 1968. The last day of school before Christmas break, and 16-year-old Betty Lou Jensen was about to go on her first official date. It wasn't her first date ever, but it was the first that her parents were allowing. Betty Lou had been seeing a young Vallejo High senior named David Faraday for at least a couple of months. Faraday had a car, a Rambler, and he would pick her up at school at lunchtime, and he would take her home after school. David had even apparently talked to her best friend and asked if she thought that Betty Lou would go steady with him. And apparently Betty Lou was crazy for the guy. Apparently, he was going to give her his class ring. Betty Lou's friend... Betty Lou's friend recommended if they wanted to be alone, they might go to Blue Rock Springs. Or perhaps St. Catherine's Hill, places where they could be alone. Betty Lou and David went over to Betty Lou's friend Sharon's house. They talked about what they'd be doing. When they left, Betty Lou even made plans to take the bus to downtown Vallejo to go shopping the next day. They didn't get to go shopping. Betty Lou and David were shot on Mount Hermon Road about 11 o'clock. Most point to this as the first Zodiac murder. There were no witnesses to the murder, but many had passed by the spot. William Crow, at about sometime between 9.30 and 10, with his girlfriend, had parked at the very spot where Faraday and Jensen would be murdered just over an hour later. He says there were no other cars, but a blue car did pass by, headed towards Vallejo, stopped in the road and backed up. Crow drove off, thought the car might be a blue Valiant, and he said that the car contained two people, white males. Roughly an hour later, Peggy and Homer Yore passed the crime scene. They were supposedly checking pipes. The pump station at the turnout was parked Faraday's Rambler, and a boy was sitting in the driver's seat with a girl resting on his shoulder. There's an interesting note that when Homer Yore passed, when the headlights hit, David Faraday put his hands on the steering wheel. They came back later and were still alive. It's hard to tell what time exactly, more than likely 11.15. They saw the Rambler and reported that the young man was still in the front seat and was adjusting himself. Two hunters had come by. They'd been hunting until about 11 p.m. and headed back to the car. They sat there for about five minutes until leaving sometime between 11.03 and 11.12. They said that a car had passed by and this was likely the yours. James Owen passed the scene at 10.20-ish. It's hard to say for sure. We know when he left his house, 10.54, and appears about 20 minutes to get there. We know James Owen saw the car. He was the last person to see the car before it was discovered, along with the bodies. Owen said there were no people in the car, or anywhere around the car. But he also didn't notice people in the car. But he did see a second car, parked to the right, of Faraday's. The murder scene was discovered by 
Stella, was discovered by Stella Borges. She was the first person known to be at the crime scene after the murder. And her arrival sometime around 11.20 leaves a rather narrow window. Because between Owen and Borges and the Hunters and the Yours, <coughs> the window would be roughly six minutes. Owen had seen two cars, no people, no bodies. Borges saw one car and two bodies. Borges saw the bodies and then returned to Benicia to get help. She sped off in that direction between 60 and 70 miles per hour. One of the best sources for information on this murder, oddly enough, other than the police report, are Zodiac's own letters. And in particular, the letter that included the ciphers sent to the Vallejo Times-Herald and the San Francisco Examiner and the San Francisco Chronicle, where he points out that the brand of ammo was Super X, that 10 shots were fired, that the boy lay on his back, feet in the car, the girl, her feet to the west. More than anything, that established that the letters were from Zodiac. But there'll be more on that in future episodes. Stella Borges discovered the crime, more than likely, at 11.20. Only one of the witness to the scene saw two vehicles. That was James Owen. He described David Faraday's Rambler as a 55 or 56 station wagon, boxy type, neutral in color. That actually, considering it was late at night in a poorly illuminated area, it's not a bad description. But he was unable to identify the make or color of the other car, though he did say it was dark. A dark car. And in the police report, he says something very simple. That just before he approached the scene, a vehicle passed him going in the opposite direction towards Vallejo. He couldn't give a description of the vehicle. This occurred near the Borges Ranch. It was a cold night. The temperature would dip down to 22 degrees. We have a number of possibilities here. We know a white Chevy Impala was sitting without occupants in it in the Lake Herman Road turnout, roughly 10 p.m. It was seen by the Hunters and Bingo Wesher. William Crow had been chased by a vehicle along Lake Herman Road, leaving from the exact spot that Faraday and Jensen would be killed at an hour later. He said it was a light-colored Chevrolet with two Caucasian males in it. Owen saw a vehicle headed towards Vallejo. But when he passed, he saw two cars and no one outside the cars. We know several facts about the killings. James Owen claimed in the police report that he didn't see anyone in, in or around the cars and that he had traveled approximately a quarter mile when he thought he heard a shot. Why didn't he call the police at that point? Why didn't he turn around? That may be answered by the presence of the hunters, that it wasn't exactly rare for hunters to be in that area, so a shot wouldn't be especially concerning. 
but the fact that there were several shots fired would make it unlikely. When the police arrived, when the police arrived, it was not a well-managed crime scene. Faraday was still alive, or at least still breathing. Betty Lou Jensen was obviously dead. The shot that killed Faraday went behind his ear. He didn't make it much out of the car. Apparently Jensen made a run for it, made it roughly 28 feet, and was brought down with several bullets in the back. There was a large pool of blood under her. But because it was so cold, several things happened. One, the frozen solid ground meant there were no visible tire tracks. There were several shell casings found. But importantly, two of them seemed to have go into the car and not have hit or possibly even been aimed at those inside. It was as if he was trying to draw them out of the car. Or maybe they were simply the introduction shots and he wasn't properly set. The first thing they did, apparently, was search for a weapon to rule out the murder-suicide angle. Lieutenant Little photographed the crime scene. They made charts and notes. Faraday was sent to the Vallejo General Hospital, but died on the way. Both Faraday and Jensen were sent to Colonial Chapel. Later information was obtained from the coroner, Dan Horan. Jensen had five bullet holes on the right side of her back. Three of them have actually gone all the way through. They're in a remarkably close pattern. The interesting part may be that Faraday only had one bullet through his left ear into the back of his head. There was powder burn, which would indicate it was shot at close range. The five holes were in a close pattern on the right side. This tight grouping would not necessarily indicate an expert marksman, except that the conditions he was firing in, dark night, and if he had been close to Faraday when he shot and not moved, he was attempting to hit a moving target and did so in remarkably tight pattern. James Owen was interviewed several times over the years. The most recent I can find was was 2013, though I'm not 100% certain that wasn't simply a review of previous interviews. James Owen was interviewed shortly before his passing in 2013. He gave as many details as he could and led to many, many more questions. And as we look at the murders from this point forward, we'll be looking at three different ideas. One, that these were murders that were unconnected, committed by different people. Second, that these murders were unconnected. As we move forward, we'll be looking at each murder through three lenses. One, that these were unconnected murders committed by different people. Second, that these were connected murders committed by different people. And finally, that these were committed by one person. Zodiac. Let me start with the multiple killers unrelated concept. And there's a good reason for it. Witness James Owen is the only one who said he saw two cars, was the only one who said that he didn't see people. His idea that he could be the killer, it's not a far bridge to come off of. He was almost certainly 
the last person to see the car before the murders. He was also in the area. And initially, they had asked about... They had asked James Owen to provide his rifles when they thought it was a rifle that had done the murders. Because the ammo was rifle ammo. But it turned out that it was a handgun. But they never asked to look at his handguns. Just the rifles. James Owen was never considered a serious suspect, as I understand it. And as for motive, who knows? To go to different killers related, you have to go to a theory that has been around for at least 20 years. There was a serious drug culture in the Bay Area at that point. The Summer of Love had just ended, but there were still large amounts of drugs flowing into Berkeley and San Francisco, and also flowing out of Berkeley and San Francisco, as well as San Jose and the North Bay. There was a very large methamphetamine ring operating. The question of whether or not they would kill, one, were they related? Were these rings of drug dealers and makers and distributors of all sorts? Were they tied into one another? One very interesting point that I think Detective Lynch made was apparently David Faraday had gotten wind of a major drug deal or shipment of some sort and had been talking at school about it. And the idea going in was that it was to silence him. There are a few problems with this, as there are with James Owen as well. The reason I have a lot of trouble considering this a legitimate drug-related murder is we don't know, well, one, we don't know if they were followed, but I think it is safe to assume that they weren't. The only person who reported that there were two, having seen two cars, was James Owen. Now, it's possible Owen was a part of the drug ring, but I doubt it. But other people in that area did not seem to report that there was another car that seemed to have been either in close proximity or following. This does bring us to the possibility that the white Chevrolet may have played a role. That it may have been, in essence, a lookout car. It's possible. I find this one being a drug-related crime to be less credible than if it was just James Owen. Which brings up the question of motive and all that, which I have to admit is not there as far as we could tell. I really believe Zodiac, a single person, committed this crime. And there are several theories here that I think interact with one another. One, this was a killing in a dark area, which was lightly trafficked, and an area where hunters would have been, well, at least near it. So a gunshot would likely go unnoticed, even several gunshots. If you were to draw a map of the area and show potential sites where you could go hunting for people, the most dangerous game of all, this would be it. Two, those future communications, which started after the 4th of July, that is a possible indicator to me that this was a killing done by someone who would later go on to create more killings. Now, there is also the theory that the letter in particular was the product of someone in the police department who had access to the information 
from that first killing. This seems unlikely, not impossible for certain, but but if you look at the way the letters detail the pieces, it seems to be someone who was exceptionally familiar with the case and had tendencies that were psychopathic, sociopathic, take your pick. While I don't believe all the letters are true, and we do believe that Tashi wrote at least some, I fully believe that this is a murder perpetrated by Zodiac. And I don't believe James Owen is Zodiac. David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen were murdered sometime around 11.15, Friday, December 20th, 1968. The cause of death, a single shot just behind the ear for David Faraday, five bullet wounds to the back for Betty Lou Jensen. The make of ammo was Super X. Ten shots were fired. This was the work of a single man with a single gun. But that doesn't mean there wasn't more beyond it. And that's what we'll be examining in our next episodes. Thanks for listening to Zodiac Speaking. I'm Chris Garcia, your host. If you can, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Right now we're on iTunes. I'm hoping to get us on Stitcher, Google Play, and so forth. They have some weird submission rules. I need to figure them out. If you have any comments, please send them to Johnny Eponymous, J-O-H-N-N-Y-E-P-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your theories, your thoughts. And if you have any connection to the victims or the case in general, please drop me a note. I'd love to interview you. <laughs>